0: I sat down on a wicker chair and waited. Alberto appeared to be in one of his more somber moods. Several times he exclaimed that nothing he did was any good, that he didn't know how to do anything, and that there was no hope of changing that. Ten, fifteen, twenty minutes passed. From time to time he glanced at me. On one of the sculpture stands there was a large bust wrapped in plastic. Presently he began to remove this plastic, uncovering the rags underneath which he carefully unwound one after another and threw on the floor. It was like seeing a mummy being unwound after thousands of years. He was surprised and pleased to find that the rags were still damp, for it had been three months since he had worked on the bust, a portrait from life of a friend. He then began to gouge and press and squeeze the clay so violently that several lumps of it dropped off onto the floor. After some fifteen minutes, he went out into the passageway, came back with a bucket of water, wet the rags, and carefully wrapped them again around the bust. Then he started to work on the tall figure again, A few minutes passed. Suddenly he turned, went into the corner of the studio and started to rearrange the bronze figures standing there which banged and clanged as they knocked against each other. Nearly an hour passed. He seemed to be avoiding desperately the moment when he would have to start working on something new. He is so poignantly aware of that difficulty of making visible to others his own vision of reality that he must be unnerved by the necessity of having to try to do it once more. Thus, he would naturally delay, as long as possible, the decisive act of beginning. I got it! When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze... One, two, three, four! I feel the labyrinth. Can you believe it? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out.
1: Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The Twist... Many of the participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black.
0: Minute 53, Dave gets a little psychoanalysis and the plan is made. To tackle Minute 53, we have me, Robert Black. Just Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room. You're like, what the, there's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is, whack-a-doodle crazy. I mean, a this doesn't make any sense. Is a is a
1: no. It's like a fucking cocktail party in
0: here. If I get a few words from you before you go. That pre-entro opening was an excerpt from James Lord's A Giacometti Portrait. Recently turned into a nice little film called The Final Portrait, directed by Stanley Tucci, and starring Army Hammer as Lord, and Jeffrey Rush as Giacometti. Have you always been like this? Like what? So doubtful of your own ability. Oh, of course. It gets worse every year. But you become more successful every year.
1: What the breeding ground for doubt and success? <laughs> Don't smile. You did. No, I didn't. You did. I did not smile.
0: Oh, fuck! Uh, This is going really badly. Mm. There's no question of finishing it, so... Then why are we here? What? I I said, then why are we here? It's useful for me. It's what I deserve, I suppose, after
1: 35 years of... Dishonesty, that's what I am. I'm dishonest. I'm a liar. Dishonesty, how do you mean? All these years that I've been showing things, you know, they were all, they were all unfinished. Probably shouldn't have been started in the first place. But then again, if I hadn't shown them, you know, I would have felt like a coward, so, I don't know, I'm neurotic.
0: Oh, I understand that. And I want to talk to you about art. Really about wanting to talk about art, wanting to produce art. Dave Made a Maze is a movie for makers. It's a portrait, if you will, of the creative mind at work. I'm going to cheat backward a little bit, because I can do that. I'm the host. I've seen this movie. I know this movie. Minute 52 ended with that idea that if there was a weakness at the center of the maze, it could be destroyed, and the labyrinth could be defeated. Dave told Gordon, Well, there is no weak spot to exploit, because I didn't make one. Annie, why didn't you make one? Dave, because if I made one, then someone could. Minute 53 begins with Dave finishing that sentence. Destroy it. And the first time I saw this film just a little less than a year ago, this scene hit me hard. Harry responds with a truth you don't really think about because it's too obvious. Harry, you you don't have to to fail if you never finish finish anything. And my mind goes to all the poorly written novels I've produced, good ideas that if I could just sit down for a rewrite, they could be great. Stacks of 3 by 5 cards with story ideas tucked away in a box in a closet because my mind has a tendency of thinking itself, And my own creative ability is bigger and better than it is. And I am. And Annie is there to pull Dave and me and you up from our snowflake bullshit. Annie. But But Dave, Dave, we all have to to deal deal with that. that.
1: Every Every day. day.
0: And you have to get get over it if you're ever going to accomplish anything. anything, You You know, know, like... like Saving our lives. lives. Dave. It's just that this is the only thing that I've ever started. That's worth finishing. And if I hadn't made it, it, then no one would have gotten hurt. And you have to trust the metaphor here, because is this maze that has killed three people already something worth finishing? The point isn't the maze itself, but the thing, whatever it is. For me, it's probably a novel called Clubhouse Blues, a book of mine that also wears its metaphors on its sleeves. Lately, my thing is this podcast, of course, or my other one that I do mostly by myself, Michael Myers Minute. I think this show, Dave Made a Minute, is a beautiful thing, and I cannot take all the credit for that, but, and I don't often feel much pride, I'm proud of the credit I can take. I love the way the pieces fall together, and all of these voices. Hmm. Actually, I will save that for an episode closer to the end. I also sometimes think Michael Myers Minute is a beautiful thing more often i find it plain or lame cloying simple some word for something that is never what i imagine it could be i've been doing a bunch of episodes of that show by myself recently no guests mostly that isn't because the show is particularly bad but because i neglect to ask people to be guests i neglect to plan i put my energy elsewhere i put it here i end up with the occasional episode that actually take a for instance today's episode of michael myers minute in its entirety don't worry <laughs> It's really fucking short. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. Welcome to Michael Myers Minute where we delve into the 1978 work class following one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Flash. Minute 65, Bob goes to get beers. Bob, be right back. Don't get dressed. He leaves. Second six to twenty one to gets comfy like a cat. Cut to interior hallway. Bob walks past a big painting of a cat and enters interior Wallace kitchen. He walks toward the sink, doubles back, realizing where the refrigerator is. Bob one is drunk. Two has never been to the Wallace house. Three. Both. He opens the refrigerator, takes out two beers, he opens the cupboard, finds a can of peanuts. In the script, Bob gathers the food and beer into his arms. He shuts out the light with his elbow. He turns to leave the doors. Wham, he steps into a chair, knocking him backwards. The beer falls on the floor along with the chips and the peanuts. Bob leans down to pick them up. Bob. God damn it. Another angle. Bob has his head down. intent on cleaning up the mess. There's a slam from across the kitchen. Bob looks up. As scripted, there's too much going on. Grabbing the chips and the penis is a comedic moment. Dropping the beer is the punchline. The film doesn't need all that. Second 46. The back door of the kitchen slowly swings open as if it has been slammed shut and the bolt didn't catch. Bob walks over the door. Bob. Annie. And the minute ends. That is all for Minute 65. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Let Me Drop Studio. You can find more content at lemmedrops.com. Stock me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram Michael Myers Minute. Till next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. It didn't start quite that short but with little happening in the particular minute with no guest to riff with and nothing much behind the scenes, they'll plenty for the next minute, my notes were brief to start. I tend to write most of what I will say in that show, or right now in this one, word for word. I know how I talk, I know how I want to say what I want to say, and it works pretty damn well when it works. So I record minute 65 of Michael Myers' minute, and the recording is just over three minutes. And I'm wondering, is there someone who I can get as a guest on short notice to do the episode again? Is there some behind-the-scenes story I can add, some outside reading I can quote, and then a stupid and maddening notion occurs to me. See, more than once now, when I mentioned my Movies by Minutes podcast to people, they mistakenly thought each episode was just one minute long, so I thought, what if this one time, it actually was? It's a dumb idea. It isn't worth repeating. But it made this episode, that otherwise kind of sucked, into something worth... something. A gimmick. Hell, the whole Movies by Minutes thing is a gimmick. An excuse to talk about movies and about anything at all. You know, everything is not an anecdote! (sighs) Yes. Everything is an anecdote, or can be. And whether it is something creative, or anything else that is your thing, if it feels sometimes like it isn't worth doing anymore, yeah, if you never finish, you cannot fail, but... Freddie Mercury wrote, well, not exactly. It's his life in his own words, compiled by Simon Lepton and Greg Brooks. There's a different way of writing now. Before, I used to sit at the piano and really work my arse off to get all the chords and the whole construction before I turned a theme into a song. Now it's a different way of thinking. Lately, I've written songs on the spur of the moment. In fact, I go into the studio totally unprepared and I think, Oh, what am I going to do this time? And suddenly the basic idea comes out and I think, let's do it. It might be totally atrocious, it might be abysmal, or there might be one or four bars that I think are nice and I can pick up on that. Or I'll just leave it there and go back and work on it later. End quote. Or there's that line supposedly from, and there are multiple versions of this apocryphal line, Thomas Edison. I haven't failed a thousand times. Not once. I've discovered a thousand ways that, we to that don't work. hope be that there is of actually what visualizes. He's to that it is necessary to start his entire career over again. to rely on past achievements or even Remember to when you and feel he has made it. feels the particular that one which will. Giving up or a day. is a bigger Boy, failure than not even trying, since we're being trite. But back to minute fifty-three. Somehow things take a turn. The romantic in me loves it. The cynic in me still doesn't quite buy it. Annie, but you, you did make it. Make it. It's, it's here, here, and
1: we're here, here in it. it.
0: And, and now, now we, we need, need to you to get, get us, get us out, out, of out of here. here. Dave, wait, wait. Are you saying it? I should finish it? Annie stands up, giving her next line the dramatic flourish it needs. You've got to build the chrysalis in order to to rescue us. And the minute ends with the awful rhyme. But I'm going to cheat again. Dave's next line is, oh my god, I love you. And it's a great moment. Annie just bought into the rhyming from minutes 37 and 38. She just bought into Dave's maze. Between the various participants of the show, we've heard variations of how Annie should have walked right out of their apartment when she saw the cardboard fort, that Annie should leave Dave in his childish whimsy. And truth be told, director Bill Watterson recently at Hive Gallery described the premise he has in mind if there were to be a sequel to this film. And part of the setup is that Dave and Annie are no longer together, and maybe that's how it should be. Maybe opposites attract. Maybe people change. Maybe monogamy is just a social construct and we shouldn't look to romantic comedies or Shakespeare for advice on love. We shouldn't expect Annie and Dave to get past their differences and their problems because they love each other. Maybe love doesn't conquer all. Maybe love is just the word we put on something to make it easier to describe when that thing is a vulnerable little creation that we and our partner are building and tearing apart and building and tearing apart again and again every single day that we can manage to keep doing so. But eventually, if you aren't one of the lucky ones, The deconstruction takes over and it's time to move on. Anne Lamott writes in Bird by Bird. She's writing about writing, but you can cross-apply to any art form and arguably to relationships as well. Quote, If you find that you start a number of stories or pieces that you don't ever bother finishing, that you lose interest or faith in them along the way, it may be that there is nothing at their center about which you care passionately. You need to put yourself at their center, you and what you believe to be true or right. The core ethical concepts in which you most passionately believe are the language in which you are writing. These concepts probably feel like givens, like things no one ever had to make up that have been true through all cultures and for all time. Telling these truths is your job. You have nothing else to tell us, but needless to say, you can't tell them in a sentence or a paragraph. The truth doesn't come out in bumper stickers. There may be a flickering moment of insight in a one-liner in a soundbite, but everyday meat-and-potato truth is beyond our ability to capture in a few words. Your whole piece is the truth, not just one shining epigrammatic moment in it. There will need to be some kind of unfolding in order to contain it, and there will need to be layers. We are dealing with the ineffable here. We're out somewhere between the known and the unknown, trying to reel in both for a closer look. End quote. I mentioned, Minute 37, how a chrysalis is not really the juicy center that is weak, but the hard shell that protects what is inside as it transforms. But does Dave really change by the end of the film? Has he learned a valuable lesson about life? Has Annie learned to value Dave's creative ventures, whether he finishes them or not, because this one time it turned out to be something real? Can a little movie like this, that wears its metaphors on its sleeve, offer us a truth about such relationship, about such people? I've written hundreds of thousands of words about movies, so maybe you can guess where I stand on this one. The retroactive model of my Groundhog Day project blog was that our lives can be measured in movies, and movies can be measured in our lives, and profound and profane depths can be found in the intersection thereof. Can a little movie like this offer us truth? Of course it can. But we can also find it to be simplistic and shallow and dismiss it, and that's okay too, because this shit is subjective. When I did movie reviews on YouTube a few years ago, I would often end by telling the viewer some version of, if you don't want to see that, see something else. There's always something out there worth seeing. See more movies. You don't have to love this film, or any film for that matter. You don't have to take important life lessons from it. But, if looking at a particular piece of artwork or creating your own makes your world or someone else's a better place, embrace it. As David Bales and Ted Orland write in Art and Fear, quote, If making art gives substance to your sense of self, the corresponding fear is that you're not up to the task, that you can't do it, or can't do it well, or can't do it again, or that you're not a real artist, or not a good artist, or have no talent, or have nothing to say. The line between artists and his or her work is a fine one at best, and for the artist it feels quite naturally like there is no such line. Making art can feel dangerous and revealing. Making art is dangerous and revealing. Making art precipitates self doubt stirring deep waters that lay between what you know you should be and what you fear you might be. For many people, that alone is enough to prevent their ever getting started at all. And for those who do, trouble isn't long in coming. End quote. And this isn't just about art. Find your thing and do it. Find your people and spend time with them. Love and be loved. And then I could probably disarm all of the traps. And then we can finish this maze. Who is with me? That was me, Robert Black of Michael Myers Minute, taking on Minute 53 of Dave Made a Maze. I will be back in Minute 64. Next time on Dave Made a Minute, we've got Luke Allen of Please Be Seated, taking on Minute 54.
1: Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by the Equals featured in the film Dave Made a Maze and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, and check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening.
0: As long as we're all working together, this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what?